Welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. All topics talked about on this podcast are solely of our opinion and for entertainment purposes. My name is Patrick. Hi, I'm Adam. And how How geeky geeky do you you want want us to to get? get? This episode is On the Road from HFT. My name is Patrick. Hi, I'm Adam. And we are Airgun Geeks On the Road. So we have just come back from our first competition down in uh, with Central Ohio Air Gunners. Had a blast. Shot a lot of lead. I did pretty good. I did pretty good. I did, uh, I think it was 36 out of 60. Not bad for a first time. Or what would you do, Adam? I did 41 out of 60. Well, you don't have to show off. But, yeah, good shooting there. Good shooting there. So, uh, so what would you think for the first shoot of 2021? Well, it was a little overcast, very windy. The actual location was very nice. People were friendly, talkative, helpful. It's a community. I mean, if anybody's listened to our interviews with Philip Hepler, he talked about the community that you have, and you really actually did get to experience that. Innovators were there showing off uh, their new receiver for actually like a stock setup for the Avenger, which was very, very interesting. And... um The big thing that I took away, besides having a ball and getting a little cold, make sure you bring enough clothing, just the sense of community that everybody gave. It was great to be able to talk to so many people and some very big names. I'd I'd have to agree with you. First time ever going to a competition like this. And uh, the the open arms and uh, the welcoming uh, attitude that everyone had there and when I told them, hey, we're new, they were like, they were so excited to see us, uh, grateful that we showed up, uh, even with uh, overcast and a pretty rainy day and windy. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, like I said, I've never done it before. I, I had a great shooting partner, if you would, who was very uh, helpful through the whole process on what we're doing at this, this lane and what he suggests and some pointers and whatnot and always ended it with well whatever works for you kind of thing um that his name was justin great great guy uh but uh going through the different lanes and learning a gun that i only shot for a week was always interesting and that was the uh air arms s 510 ultimate sporter in 177 with a hawk what was it, a Sidewinder? Sidewinder, yep. Sidewinder on there. Uh, primarily, I shot in 16 power the whole time. Figured I'd give that a try. Worked out fairly well for me. Um, it was uh, it was a challenge, though, you know, the wind and, and everything. Uh, I definitely need to work on my standing. That was a big thing. And kneeling, I didn't do too bad. But uh, what, what were some... Uh, how should I say stressors for you or things you need to work on, Adam? Wind calling. So for me, I did some really bad wind calls. The, the field that we were at was a very open field, and you could feel the wind on your face, but you're watching the grass out there do something completely different. And just the way the layout was, so I could watch the pellets sail in, and I'm you know striking left, striking right. I'm like, what the words came out and 
what the nice part of it too is because it was so open and so consistent, it was actually very easy. Like, hey, I saw that I struck, you know, I, I hit at nine o'clock. I could quickly compensate that uh, for my second shot. Now, of course, when you do the first shot correctly and then you miss the second shot, then you're kind of like, oh, what did I do that for? <laughs> but all in all, the stressors, the only thing I would say that I wish I had had more opportunity would be to have double-checked all my holdovers and hold-unders. But all in all, like, there wasn't really a stressor. It was fun. You got to go out, BS, shoot guns, shoot at tiny little steel plate targets and knock them over. And uh, the range, the match director had set up a couple of targets to have bells. So when people hit that target, it dinged the bell. Which That was just a fun little thing that I hadn't seen or heard of before. So stressors? Oh, my God, I got to shoot. And it's, okay, the weather's not great. Any day I'm shooting is a good day. I would agree. And that's what that sound was, was a little bell. I thought, I was like, what? The, is it lunch? <laughs> Especially when they were pulling on the corner. I hear ding, 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 ding. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, that that was fun. Yeah, that, that was another thing I had to learn how to do was properly pull the darn string to reset the target. A light pull, a heavy pull. <laughs> I just janked the darn thing, I'm told by one of the guys. Just pull it hard. I'm like, I'm going to pull it over. <laughs> no, you're not. It's wink, and there it is. But you know what's probably the biggest BS moment is when you hit the paddle and the darn thing doesn't fall. And, well... I learned something new. It's called the protest. I thought that was possible. The P on these scorecards. I thought P was for possible. Or, or po and like they're like, nope, that's a protest. And if we get enough protests, then we'll relook at that target, see if it's broken or, or adjusted wrong or something's wrong with it. I'm like, oh, I thought it was either you hit it or you didn't hit it, but. Uh, I learned I learned something new, so I, t I took that away. Um, stressors for me primarily was standing. That was probably the biggest thing for me. You mean it wasn't the fact that you were shooting a borrowed gun for a week and that you don't even have, what, 300 rounds through it? That's not a stressor? Nope. I have good faith in the person that set it up, <clears throat> Adam, and uh, good faith in, uh, in air arms. I, it was a... Uh, just got to know the equipment. I mean, I knew it pretty good. I mean, wasn't too bad, but the, the trigger was well set. Um, I, I really did put about 300 rounds down it before you did. So what, what do you got, like five, 600 rounds, 500, well, five or 600 trigger pulls is what I'm trying to say, people. But I just happened to see a squirrel go by. See, this is a problem with doing podcasting in the car. <laughs> So what what you uh, what was your process on that before you ended up uh, dropping it in my lap? So to start with, if anybody listened to last week's episode or yeah, less or yeah, last week's episode, you'll have heard like I go through, I clean the barrel until it's completely utterly spotless. I put a little silicone oil into the fill port, double check all the O-rings. Now in this case, I didn't take the barrel and the shroud off. Um, it was the time constraint issues. I did need to get the gun to pat. But barring that, it's still, I mean, I pulled I pulled a patch from through it probably a good dozen, dozen and a half times until I got a clean patch, lubricated everything up using FP10 and ballastol and silicone oil, uh, cleaned the stock with true oil, 
verified that everything was square before even mounted the scope. Got the scope set up where it was mostly optical center to the scope at about 25 yards. And I told Pat, like, I've got it set for 25 yard optical zero. I zeroed it at 25 yards, but for HFT, you're gonna want probably a 20 yard zero. That way you've got some a little bit of hold over and a little hold under for just calling and ranging your targets differently if you're not perfect, which there was a few things there. We found out that the FX rings don't really work well with the Hawk side wheel. Um, didn't know that. I did not put the side wheel on before giving it to Patrick because it was a, honestly, just a case of time. I needed to get a gun in his hand so he'd have a week of shoot at you. So that was interesting. But basically it was a full detailed cleaning. I didn't pull the air cylinder off. I kind of wish I did. I did obviously take the gun out of the stock, double check all the, all the screws and everything, torqued everything down to my 10, 12 inch pounds. Like I said, I don't go crazy on any of my stock screws. And then after getting the scope, actually, hell, I had this rifle fitted to Patrick before the scope was even put on it. So once we got it fit where it was a comfortable hold, got the scope basically on it um, for eye relief and height, adjusted the cheek piece. That way he could have a good consistent weld. But that was, I mean, just the whole, the whole big thing was is to get a gun that he could hold repeatedly, which he's a southpaw, I'm not. So trying to sight it in after we had the stock set for him um, was kind of miserable. That, that's the polite way of putting it, but I got it close enough. That way, for him, all he had to do was some, you know, just a little bit of adjustment. So, Patrick, what was it like shooting a borrowed gun? I mean, I know you, I set it up for you mostly, but, like, have you ever shot a gun of that configuration? I mean, the Ultimate Sporter is a very highly adjustable stock. Have you ever shot a rifle with that kind of adjustability in its stock? I can honestly say that I have never shot a gun of this caliber, no point intended. Uh, it's set up or any of that. It was uh, definitely, they're worth the money on the customization that you can do. Uh, it, it was fit to me, which was something new to me. Um, and it just, overall, the way the stock is made, it, it was a pleasure to shoot. Um, being that mine and uh, definitely learning it only having it for a week and how to load it because you know the air arms magazine you got to tilt forward because if you tilt back the darn pellet falls out and then you got to rotate it and you know i looked like a a fish out of water or or playing around in the mud and trying to walk it was it was just trying to get my ways and how to how to get it loaded and then when you're all done shooting well now you got to pull the magazine out so when you don't want to pull it all the way back and all that fun jazz. So it was just, it was just a learning experience. It was fun. Um, oh yeah, not dropping it in the mud. That was probably one of the biggest adventures and challenges of today. Um, water not so bad, but uh, just to be honest, mud mud gets uh, Adam going. One of the guys was like, "Yeah, I might want to take the uh, mud out of the end of the barrel there." And uh, I heard Adam all the way across the line. Oh, what, what do you mean there's mud? Get no mud. <laughs> I'm laughing. I, just, I told the guy I was with, Justin, I was like, you can't do that. You're making me laugh. But uh, but overall, I mean, I mean, I think I'm, I'm addicted. So, you know, I think one of the big adventures coming up might be uh, having to go into competition against Philip Hepler. 
that might be something. So, Patrick, now I know, like, we got the gun set up for you, but what did you do in your own time, like, with one week? And, yeah, you got about 300 rounds through it, not counting the 60 today. But what did you do this week to really prepare? Like, how did you shoot the gun? Did you just wait for good days? I know you have access to a enclosed range. Did you do time on that? Did you practice your seated shooting? Did you practice your standing shooting? Supported, unsupported? I know you had been told about the forced positions, but did you really prep for it? Like, what did you do with one week preparation for today's event to shoot in the rain and the wind? So, initially started at the uh, indoor range at 20 yards to make sure it was in at 20 yards and tried to get rid of all of the human element out of it to make sure that it was just, you know, if I'm missing, it's it's not the gun, it's me. Um, so I'm not fighting both variables. Um, and then when I took it home, I would leave work, dart home, and whether it was windy or raining or whatever, I had a couple hunter field targets in my yard at different distances, and I just started shooting, seeing where it's hitting, and doing all of that. Now, the the next day, uh, which I would have to say probably Wednesday of last week, um, is when I got the paper out and I started shooting paper and really dialing things in because I just had to shoot the gun to get used to it, how the triggers work and how it feels, what it sounds like, what the scope's doing, all that fun jazz. And then uh, I, I got, you know, right down to it with these really, really small targets. And I was like, if I could hit these little tiny targets, then I think anything bigger than this uh, would be easier. Um, uh, Wednesday of last week, I also put it in um, my shooting, I guess you'd call that a shooting stand. Um, it's like a lead sled. And that took me, the human element, totally out. Verified impact at, uh, I did it at four power, at six power, uh, no, four power, 12 power, and 16 power. Ended up staying at 16 power through the whole time after figuring out everything, where, where it's hitting at 10 yards, where it's hitting at 20 yards, uh, at 30, 40, and 50. Uh, learning this week, at today, at the competition, that I should have done 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, and even 55. Because, well, they hit in different spots, I learned, especially when you're really, really close. So, like, I was, for example, 3 mil uh, holdover for 10, 10 yard, but at 15 yard, it's a half a mil. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I learned that today. Um, and... The big thing is, is is learning wind was the other thing. So you're talking about knowing your holdovers. So you set up a range card. Is that what you did? Like, explain your range card for your holdovers. So, so what Adam gave me, because he's so smart, is pictures of the reticle. So when you put it in the uh, lead sled and you shoot it, you are aiming, let's say, at 20 yards, and, well, it should hit in the middle. And then let's say you go and shoot it at 10 yards and you're like, hmm, okay, well, it's a three mil dot. Uh, so you put right next to there, 10 yard. And then technically at the 15 yard, you would go to the half mil dot. 
And then when you go to 25, you'd see where that hits and 30 where that hits and you write it all down. So when you go to the competition and you use your parallax to figure out your distance, also known as a poor man's range finder, you can then reference back to your diagram with all of your holdovers and hold unders and figure out what's the best one to use for the distance that you've figured out using your parallax or your side wheel. And that's, uh, and that's what I did. My, now mine was not completely finished, which I didn't do too bad, but I could have done a lot better, which would have been at least four more points uh, if I would have done the 15-yard thing. So. so as far as your setup on the rifle go, goes or went, did you have any strings for like doing hold, uh, for wind calls? Um, did you have a bubble level to make sure that you were holding the rifle? Uh, pair, or I should say level. Yeah, gee, what do you use a bubble level for? Like, what did you need to do anything special to the gun, or did you, besides the fact that you had a borrowed rifle, like, did you add anything to the gun to help you out this week or this shooting day? Good questions. So I did not have a bubble level. I did the best I could with keeping it level. Um, and then uh, to see what the wind is like at the end of the barrel, there are so many ways to do this. But I ended up taking a zip tie and a piece of very light string. Fishing line works too. I think spider, mire, spider wire might be one of the better fishing lines out there. And then I hunted down a blue sparrow, those odd looking sparrows and plucked its feathers. No, I took a piece of cotton and I, and I tied it to the very end and it gave me wind basically at the back of uh, the suppressor. I could have put it out at the very end, but for today, that's fine. But I, I saw all types of variations of trying to figure out what the wind is doing from feathers to cotton to just a string to a JSB tape uh, on the end of a, of a barrel and that was that was pretty interesting too but besides with the gun you you and where you're at and uh, your shooting position you need to pay attention to the grass to what the dandelions are doing and the grass blades because I'll tell you this much Adam there was this one it was like 45 or 50 yards away but it was like around the corner a little bit you, it, it, the wind was fine, and then all of a sudden, it's off to the far left. I'm like, what in Jiminy Crickets is this going on here? <laughs> Did you experience that too? I know exactly which target you're talking about. Yeah, the rat in the corner. Yes. Because you could feel the other side of it too is on, for me, when I was shooting that target, I was getting pelted with wind, but the grass by the target in between it wasn't moving. So it's like, okay. So I held for you know half of the wind I thought I should, and did a little pray, pulled, squeezed that trigger off, and I watched that target fall, and I'm like, yay, let me do it again. So, yeah, it was. A, I definitely know exactly what you're talking about there. Um, so we've got the string. We've got, you know, your the, the range card. Obviously, you didn't have a side wheel because of FX no limit rings have a flaw, or I can't say a flaw. I shouldn't say that. No. They didn't work with the Hawk Sidewinder side wheel which is interesting because I have a sidewinder on my gun, but you, the one on the one that you borrowed is the better, si better scope, 
and a different style side wheel where the one that I have, I have a scope works that actually mounts to the outside, uh, completely on the outside of the actual side wheel where the one that you were going to use was the Hawk one that actually goes over the side wheel so it has to be more inset. So that was a little interesting to, uh, you know, experience. But so we have to go from lane to lane. How did you carry your equipment today? The hardest way you can possibly do this competition, and that is uh, lugging all of your shit with you. <laughs> so these guys got these lovely little cart thingies, little little caddies that have all their fun stuff in there, their bipod, their gun, uh, everything that you would need. I'm carrying this giant Pelican Volt that weighs 400,000 pounds with all of my equipment, my bipod, my water bottle, oh, my seat. And from from stage to stage to stage, I uh, lucked out on a couple of them. I was able to keep it there to do two or three stages, but that, that's, that's okay. Um, but normally, you would have this lovely cart little thing that's got two little ropes on it or whatever, and you could pick it up and la, 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 la. Nope, nope. Pat had the heaviest darn thing, and I got my workout in for the day, so. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the rings, I found out that maybe if you were to take them all the way apart, it might fit in between the rings. But your rings will be all the way towards the bell and all the way towards the objective. Something that someone said. Uh, I was like, well, that's pretty good observing information. And, and that goes into the culture of everyone is trying to help you solve any issues that you may have. So I don't know. What, what, is, what, is, what is left as far as technical stuff? Well, we've talked about range cards. We've talked about carrying our stuff, reading the wind, and how to do that. Um, how about... The kind of like, what kind of seat did you use? Because you just talked about your seat. And what kind of bipod or shooting sticks were you using? Ah, uh, yes. So I have this like, it's like half the height of a normal bucket, five-gallon bucket. So I'd probably say it's like a two-and-a-half-gallon bucket with this cool little bucket topper that is actually a seat. Um, and that's that's basically what I use, which is, it's like twofold. So I was able to put like an extra T-shirt in there, an extra pair of socks, or whatever you need. Uh, because it was a little wet, but I ended up having my, uh, I call them shit kickers, but uh, your muck boots. Because, um, you know, the grass and whatnot, I don't want to get my feet soaking wet. But uh, s some of the little caddies uh, you were telling me actually had a seat built into the darn thing. That that sounds interesting. So, um, but yeah, that's basically what I had. And then the the bipod... I don't know. What, what were those bipods we had? Those were the Primo's trigger sticks uh, with the Gen 3 ones, I believe. Yeah, very very nice. Very nice. Uh, moves easily and everything. Very, very good to have. Actually, they moved a little too easily when we first started using them and had to get out Allen keys and tighten down the legs because you'd set the rifle on it and it'd actually start to topple left and right. So the way that setup was on it. So, yeah, we was like, okay, 3-millimeter Allen key. Tighten, tighten, tighten. Go, go, go. Okay, good. Yeah, they were brand new. Delivered Friday. Uh, didn't get to play with them. First time using them today. So, talk about, you know, trial by fire. <laughs> it was a, it was a good thing. All right. Well, what else do we got? So one last thing. How did you carry your pellets between the lanes? 
So I had three magazines. So I loaded up all the magazines and I ended up putting the tin in my pocket. And I'm like, this is really not a good idea as I'm walking to the next lane. Because uh, I'm hearing them go jingling, jingling, and these are JSB pellets. And you don't want to hear jingling, jingling, because it's beating the Schmitz out of them. You know, and it's like, um, this is not a good idea. Now, some of the other shooters had these weird little Lord of the Rings type pellet pouches that were around their necks. Um, but a lot of those guys weren't using magazines. They were also using single shot trays. So, and you were shooting single shot, weren't you, Adam? Yes, I was. So I had a single shot trade gun, and I don't have one of those nice little pellet trays. So I was actually using a tin of my JSB tin and going from stage to stage, but I was just shutting the tin into my case, which was next to me because I also use a case. And I actually, because it started to rain and my rush to get out of the way, didn't put the lid on the tin. So I pick up my gun case, and then I hear jingle jangle and the sound of lead hitting plastic. So then quickly my shirt pocket became my carry pouch. So, and as of this recording, I still have all those pellets still in my shirt pocket. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, I, I think we've covered all of our fun technical fupas and kerfuffles as we would say at times. Uh, you got anything to add Adam? Just thank you to the Central Ohio Air Gunners because that was a great shoot. The match director put on a really good show, a really good event, uh, a couple of really good hard targets. Definitely, you know, let you know what you needed to work on. And it was just all in all good camaraderie. And guys, thank you very much for having us there. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, had a great time. First experience. Uh, I mean, we weren't the only first. I, I, I wasn't the only first time shooter there. There was a couple other guys. And uh, it was fun. So, yeah, thanks uh, again to Central Ohio Air Gunners. Uh, check them out on Facebook. Uh, they also have a website. And coming up in June is the mid, what do they call it? The Mid-Ohio Air Gun, Gun Show. Uh, I'll put the link in the description for that. So if you're, if you're in the Ohio area or Kentucky or Indiana or you want to go for a nice car ride, it's the largest uh, air gun gun show, if you would, uh, on this end of the United States that I know of. I think the only other bigger one is down like up and down there in Texas. So definitely worth a look. Again, want to thank you everyone for listening to uh, us here at Air Gun Geeks. And like always, stay geeky. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to listen to the Air Gun Geeks podcast. If you have any topics you would like to hear on our podcast, feel free to email us at airgungeeks at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, also titled Air Gun Geeks. And we are also going to have a YouTube channel titled Air Gun Geeks. And possibly in the future, there might be some videos on there. If you like what you've heard and would like to help support Air Gun Geeks, please check out our Patreon page, or you can also just donate to our PayPal links. Just go to the links that we have in the description to help us out. Last but not least, if you like what you heard, give us five stars. We, we would really appreciate that. Till we meet again, shoot straight and stay geeky.